And uh, just to give you a little quick catch up from last week, for those of you who weren't with us last week, we talked about uh, how God has given us a mandate, a command, a commission, if you will, to go into all the world, to go and to make disciples of all nations, of all people. And, uh, and so sometimes, if you're like me, you're doing life in your context, you're doing life, uh, if those of you that live here in, in South Austin or a greater Austin area, you, you live here and you kind of see what's going on here and you forget that there's a whole world of people out there who live in, in very different environments and every, in very different settings than we do. And we want you to know that as a church, we believe that, the God, that God's mission he has given us is not just local, it's global. And that God cares about the people who live on the other side of the globe. People who live lives that are very different from our lives. And so two partnerships that we have that are ongoing and, and many more that are developing. Uh, we have a partnership in Indonesia. And we are uh, seeking to plant churches and establish healthy church leaders in Indonesia. I had the opportunity to go last fall and plan to go back next fall and looking forward to that. Uh, we also have a partnership going on in Mexico, in the Yucatan. Uh, and some of you have been with us on a trip down there. We've helped helping to try to establish healthy churches and, and uh, plant uh, new churches in that part of the world. And we just trust that, that God will somehow use us. We aren't the Messiah. We aren't the solution. When we go in those settings, we are joining God in what he's already doing in those settings. You heard last week we've got one of our own here who's going to be heading out to Colombia soon to help plant a church in Colombia. Uh, we're excited about that. Uh, we also had a family here last week. They're moving to China in July, and we're supporting them, encouraging them, and praying for them. And so, listen, uh, that may, for some of you in the room, you're like, why in the world are you doing that? It's because God cares about all people. He loves all people, and he's called us to the nations. And so we want to be that kind of church that says, God, we don't, we don't want to act like you didn't say that. <laughs> we don't want to ignore that command. We want to go into all the world and make disciples. And so Matthew 28, 19, and 20 was our key verse from last week. And we talked about Jesus right before he leaves uh, the scene. He's there with his disciples, and he gives them this commission. And as I said last week, it's not a suggestion, right? It's not like, a, hey, you might want to do this, or you might should try this. Uh, he's like, no, this is what you are to do, is to go into all the world and make disciples. Have you really ever thought about the fact that God has left us as Christians here after we've come to faith in him? So many of us in this room, I'm assuming, have put our trust in Jesus, and we know where we're going to spend eternity, right? I know that I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with God, not because I'm a good person, not because I go to church, not because I'm religious, but because Jesus Christ died for my sin, and my hope is in Jesus. And because of that, I now am confident that one day I'm going to spend eternity with him, uh, and I'm looking forward to that day. But until that day, I have a job to do. You have a job to do. And it's not simply to be good people. That might come as a surprise to some of you. Our goal isn't to be a church that's just full of good people or better versions of yourself. Our goal and our desire is to actually go and make disciples of all the nations, to go and help people know Jesus, to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to teach people what it looks like to follow all that Jesus said when he was on the earth. That's our goal. And so if you're bored with Christianity, you probably haven't been given the, 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 fuel, the full picture of what Jesus has actually called us to do because we're not just waiting to die. Okay, we're not just sitting here huddled up saying, okay, come Jesus, so we can just go on and get on with our heaven thing. No, we're supposed to be a part of his kingdom here and now. And it's an awesome work, and it's exciting, and it's challenging, and it's not comfortable all the time, and it's costly. It creates uh, moments of sacrifice for us, 
in places where we give and we invest, and it doesn't make sense to people who don't know Jesus. But when you know what Christ has done, he bankrupted heaven so that we could have life with him. And now everything we do is a response to who he is. Man, wow. Like, why would we not want to give ourselves to the great things of God in, this, in all the, the earth? And the fact that he invites us into that is just an amazing thought to me this morning. So that's where we've been as we talked about the commission, the, the instruction to go into all the world and make disciples. And I want to take this a little further this morning because, as I said, we lifted our eyes to the nations last week. And I want to talk about what about where we live? What about the context, the environment that we do life in every day? What about the places where we go to the stores, we go uh, and do life, uh, we, our kids go to school, uh, places we go to work? What about here and now? Like, what about this particular spot on the planet which, by the way, if you've ever flown overseas or gone overseas or gotten on an airplane, period, you realize pretty fast how small this little spot is, this piece of dirt that we live on is in the whole scope of things, right? I mean, this is a very small piece of the world. I said last week there's 7.1, roughly 7.1 billion people on the earth, okay? There's, there's almost 2 million in greater Austin. Okay? That's a drop in the bucket of 7.1 billion and God has a plan and he has a purpose for us who live right here in this geography. And so we're going to take a look at three passages this week and how God has really used those to shape in my own life, but also the life of our church, who we are and what we are to do right here in South Austin and in greater Austin as a whole. Okay, so um, if you have a Bible, I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and pull that out. Um, and I want you to read along with me. It'd actually be on the screen above me as well. But we're going to look at three key passages that I think will help instruct us on what we are doing right here in our own backyard, especially in light of getting ready to go out this week into our area, into our neighborhoods, and point people to Christ. So the first one we're going to come to is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And, and Acts, the book of Acts, could actually be extended. That's kind of the short name for uh, the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, or the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles uh, would be a, a good name for this book because uh, it really explains uh, through the writer Luke what was going on in the early church when it was founded, when it was established, and then what happened with those who were Jesus' followers once Jesus actually left and went back up to heaven uh, to, to when he ascended. And so Acts chapter 1 is actually the end of Jesus' instructions to his disciples before he ascends, before he goes back to be at home with his Father in heaven, okay? And here's what he says in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I wish I could read the whole section. We could talk about it. But because of our purposes this morning, I just want to give you verse 8. And just remember, this is Jesus' last words, right? Some of his last words before he goes home. He says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And like I said last week, we talk about the ends of the earth. We talk about those places, those remote places in the world, like I experienced last year, where they had never even seen a, a white person before. They had not seen uh, an American before. They had not seen anyone like me, and they had never heard about the name of Jesus. And I think about that experience and how there are those places in the world where that is still true today. In fact, three billion people are considered unreached, meaning that they haven't had an opportunity to hear about Jesus and the gospel. Is that mind-blowing to you? That, that when we live in this setting, we kind of forget that. But here's the thing. He says that that's where the goal is, is to get to the ends of the earth. And that his gospel will be proclaimed in Matthew 24. He says it'll be proclaimed. The good news about Jesus is going to be proclaimed in all the earth. 
before the end comes. And so we want to be a part of that. But it starts in our own backyard. It starts right where you and I live. And so notice where he says, he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. How many of you need power to be a witness for Jesus? Every one of us, right? Every one of us needs that because if you try to do it yourself, our fear is going to overtake us, right? Our insecurities are going to overwhelm us. We're going to find ourselves lazy or we're just going to find ourselves indifferent or struggling or just trying to like, hey, look, just let me survive. But when the Holy Spirit comes on us, the Holy Spirit who is God in us, is at work in us, empowering us, we will be bold witnesses for our God, for our Savior Jesus. It's part of the byproduct of being filled with the Spirit is a boldness in demonstrating and declaring the gospel, the good news about Jesus. You still, you still with me? Okay, so here's where they are. They're, they're, he says, you need to wait, you need to receive the Holy Spirit to go and do what you're going to do, which is to be my witness. And notice the first place he says is Jerusalem. You're, he says, go to Jerusalem. Why would he say Jerusalem? Because that is where they were. They were in Jerusalem. They were camped out in Jerusalem. Some of them scared out of their minds that we're going to be crucified like Jesus, our leader, was. And so they're there, and they're just listening to his instruction, but they're a little uncertain. How's this going to go? How's this going to unfold? I mean, Jesus has been telling them how this is going to work, but they're just not getting it yet. And in their flesh, just like you and I, in their minds, they're still struggling. They're still wrestling. In fact, it even says, we talked about last week, some of them were still doubting even after they saw a resurrected Jesus. And yet they're still, still human beings just like you and I are. They had fears just like we do. And he says to them, you're going to be a witness in Jerusalem. But it doesn't stop in Jerusalem, does it? He starts in Jerusalem, and then he says Judea, Samaria. That's like really bad, you know, thinking about, hey, this is like the, our enemies, the people that we don't even consider to be human beings. We're going to be witnesses to them. They're going to come to know Jesus too. And then he says to the ends of the earth. So the point being this, if you and I are called and sent, which that's the idea of being on mission is that we're all sent, where do we start? We start where we live. We start in the neighborhoods that we live in, the apartment complex that we live in. We start on this, the block that we live on. We start in the workplace that we are in. We start where we live. That's what we understand about the mission, is that mission begins where we live. What is our Jerusalem? It is all those things, right? It's where we do life. It's where our kids go to school. It's where we interact on a daily basis. It's the the uh, waiters and waitresses we meet at the restaurants that we frequent. It's who cuts our hair or colors our hair, if you're a, a woman, right? Uh, it's it's the, whoever you interact with and engage with uh, in your, your circles of your everyday relationships. That's your Jerusalem. That's your place that you're to start being a witness. Now, again, some of you are like, oh, man, if I do that, like, it's going to totally ruin all my relationships, right? They're going to get awkward on me. You're going to start acting funky. Listen, I'm not saying that t- tomorrow you have to go out and, like, tell all of them, hey, you need Jesus, uh, and make that, like, the first thing you say. Like, you build relationships with these people. You, you, you pray, and then you, you, you share the gospel. But that's what he says. He says you, you start where you live. So where do we live? I mean, let me just take a minute and talk about where we live. We live in greater Austin. And if you guys know anything at all about what's going on in Greater Austin, you understand that we are in a very unique and special context, a very special place. We've got to be very careful that we won't become arrogant about this, but Austin is the fastest growing city in the nation. It's got one of the most robust economies of anywhere in the nation. It has been considered the most creative city in the United States of America. And we're pretty soon going to have our own surf park. Right, Harley? 
Uh, we've got so many cool things. Right now, as we're sitting in this room, the X Games are going on in our city. Now you're like, I don't really care about X Games. Hey, listen, I'm just telling you, there's a lot of cool stuff going on in Austin, Texas. People are coming here in droves to the tune of 50,000 people a year moving to our city right now, which makes us the fastest growing city, 150 people a day. And you guys are like, yes, I see that, because when I drive in my car, I see the traffic, right? So you get this. We live in a crazy, cool, and growing and affluent city. And it's, there's some good things about that, and there's some things that are like, Stay away, right? People just stay away, right? But here's the thing. God has strategically allowed us to be in this city, and we're going to talk about that in the, in the next point, because let's look at Acts chapter 17, verse 26 and 27. And here's what it says. From one man, he, being God, has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and, he, and has determined their appointed time, and the boundaries of of where they live. Now let me stop there and read the second verse here in a second, but think about what that, what that says. That verse is telling us that God is sovereign over where we live. That you thought, and I thought, that we just picked a spot on the map and said, I wanna live there because it's where I grew up, or that's got a good job, or it's just a cool place, or it's just a comfortable environment, or there's good entertainment nearby. And guess what? In all of that, God was at work, if you're a Christ follower. If you're a human being, God was at work in that, and God sovereignly has put, appointed is the word he uses here, appointed us where we would live. My guess is that most of us in this room are like, God didn't appoint me to live here. And I just want to encourage you and, and, and help you understand God has a plan and he has a purpose for where you live, the boundaries of where you reside, on your block, on your street, in your workplace, all those things that God has a sovereign hand in it. He's appointed that. And why did he do that? Verse 27, he goes on and says, he did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each of us. And this is actually a section taken out of Paul's words as he's in Athens and he's speaking on Mars Hill and he's talking to this group of people who are worshiping all these idols, all these gods. And he even, as he walks the streets, he sees this one particular idol that says, hey, to an unknown God. Because these guys were so crazy about worshiping all these gods, they didn't want to miss one and leave them out and offend them. So they just put to the unknown God, let's make sure we didn't miss one, right? And Paul sees that and he says, I want to proclaim to you what is unknown. I want to proclaim to you, you him as known. And he is God. He is Yahweh. He is the God of the Bible. Okay? And he begins to teach them. And he says, listen, you didn't just decide where you were going to live, but that God had a hand in that. And he put you there. Why? So that you might find him. You might understand that ultimately he's actually the one seeking you, pursuing you. But you might experience him. You might find him. You might be awakened to the reality that God loves you, that he has a plan for you, has a purpose for you. And this goes two ways. Meaning that we as Christians, Christ followers, and again, I'm not assuming that every person in this room is a Christian or they would say that you're a Christ follower. But if you are, God has sovereignly put you where you are, right, to help you. He's strategically pointing you to a purpose that's bigger than you where you live. But also for those people that were put around you that are on your street. Just in the time that we've lived in South Austin, which has been about three years, I feel like our whole street pretty much has changed. All these new people have, have moved onto our block. Maybe we just smell bad and we didn't know it. But all of our neighbors have moved out. We've got new neighbors. Um, and so now we, we look and we, every time somebody lives, moves in, we say, God, you put them on our street. And it is our job and our responsibility to love them and to serve them and to point them to the life that's in you. 
And we see that as an opportunity because we know we are strategically placed. Some of you know the story. Some of you don't know the story. Uh, so I'll just give you, like I said, a little insider uh, info here that in 2007, my wife and I moved from Houston, Texas. We were at a large church. We had a good salary. Everything was nice and comfortable. It was really pretty. All these good things. And we felt like God was saying, go to Austin. And we wrestled with that, but we felt called of God to go to Austin. Not because we were going to get a lot of money. I was already in ministry, so you don't get a lot of money in ministry. But anyway, but we, called, we, we said, God, you called us to go to Austin. We're going to go, and we're going to live as missionaries. And so we actually ended up in Round Rock, which now I know is not Austin. But anyway, that's a whole other conversation. So we lived in Round Rock, and we started to, to experience life in Round Rock, and we began to see God do some great things. And pretty soon, we realized that Austin and the greater Austin area is not like Houston. <laughs> we knew that coming in, but we saw that firsthand in that every corner in Houston, there's a mega church. And in Dallas, it's kind of the same way. And here in Austin, you just don't see many churches. In fact, statistically, just in case you're curious, in, in, uh, in the national average is that 12 churches for every 10,000 people. That's the national average across our nation, okay? But in Austin, it's four churches for every 10,000 people. And not only that, but if you go to Texas at large, you will find many, many, many people in church on a Sunday socially, as well as many people who know God, follow God, and trust God. In Austin, it's roughly 90% unchurched. Most people don't know that about Austin, don't realize that about Austin. Many of you probably do because you, you are in this area. You experience this. So uh, if, if the South was a, a terminology that's been used before is that the South is kind of like the Bible Belt, and then we'd say that Austin is kind of like a notch in the Bible Belt. It's like a hole, right? And so that's kind of where we are. It's where we live. It's where we do life. And God has called us here so that every man, woman, and child would have the opportunity to know Jesus. It's a reminder that I don't have to get on a plane and fly to China to find people who don't know Jesus, right? Now, again, if God calls us to China, we're going to go. If God calls us to anywhere in the world, we're going to go because we have a yes on the table. But he's called us specifically to, to this part of our world right now, to love and to serve and to point people to life in Christ. Because here's the reality. My life is brief. It's a vapor. It's here and it's gone. Your life is brief. And we know that God has given us a distinct purpose during the season of life to, to love and serve our city. So we came to South Austin in 2012, not by choice initially. In fact, we lived in Round Rock and we submitted three plans to live on the north side of Austin area that felt like Round Rock, that felt like our family. We were like, we had heard about Southeast and we had heard that we would probably wouldn't fit there. And we had heard that people were probably not going to like us because uh, we were, you know, from the north. And, uh, and, and so, but... but our elder leadership, the leadership that was over us that we were submitting ourselves to said, we really think you guys should go to South Austin. And God began to say to us, yes, that's where I want you to go. And now we've been here for three years and we love South Austin. We love it. In fact, a church planter I met with last week said, hey, if you could plant a church, that is start a church, if you know that language, start a church in, in anywhere in greater Austin, where would you, you start one? I said, South Austin. We need more churches in South Austin. And I would, I would come back here in a heartbeat now, knowing what I know, and the love that God's given us for the people of South Austin in this region. I say that to you this morning because we do believe that even in that whole prayerful process and having leadership overseeing us, God placed us in South Austin for a purpose, for a reason. And we want to live that out until he takes us away from here, whatever that looks like. But the third passage that I want us to look at this morning, and we'll kind of land the plane on this last passage, is from Jeremiah chapter 29. Verse 4 through 7. And this is an interesting passage from the Old Testament. Jeremiah was a prophet, if you don't know that. 
He was a prophet of God, which means that he heard from God, and then he would go and tell everybody else what God, specifically God's people, what God wanted them to hear. And so he would preach. So much so that it even says this about Jeremiah, that at one point he says the, that the word of God that he was hearing was like a fire shut up in his bones. He couldn't even keep it in. He couldn't contain what God was telling him to say. And so he literally would go and he would declare the message that God has for him. And here in Jeremiah chapter 29, uh, starting in verse 4, maybe some of you know the verse, Jeremiah 29 11, but before you ever get to that verse, it says in verse 4, This is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Notice what he says. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, do not decrease. Seek, catch this last verse, this is really key. Seek the welfare of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. For when it has prosperity, you will prosper. Now this is a very interesting verse. Because, first off, it tells us that God is actually sovereign over them getting deported into exile in Babylon. And what happened in this context is that God's people, they get shipped off to this other place, this city in Babylon, and and God is giving them very specific instructions on what they are to do when they get there. Rather than just huddle up and kind of keep their little their little thing going as God's people. He says, no, he says, I want you to plant gardens. I want you to build homes. I want you to multiply and increase influence. I want you to expand as a people. And, and ultimately in expanding, I want you to expand the influence of the goodness and greatness of who I am in that place. And so he says to them, he says, I want you to seek the welfare of that city. Now, I think this is important because what I notice is that churches in our country today tend to have a one of three approaches in terms of how they view the city that they're in, okay? I'm going to just give you those three really quickly. The first one that we see is that many churches in the city tend to, uh, to be indifferent to the place where they are. They tend to be indifferent. This is what I'm talking about when I say that the, the church is kind of a holy huddle, and they just kind of do their thing. They're like, hey, I'm glad we've got our faith and we've got our God and we've got our church and we've got our building and we've got our programs and we've got our thing going over here. We don't need the city. Who really cares about the city? We're just kind of indifferent to the city. I, you know, um, I don't really care if my neighbor's lost. Um, we wouldn't say it that way, but, but in essence, that's kind of how we live. I'm not real sure. I, you know, I don't really care if people on my street know God or my workplace know God. I've got my church. I've got my family. I've got my good stuff, and that's what I, I'm going to hold on to, right? There's a lot of Christians. That, this is a lot of some of the ways that I grew up at times. So I want you to know that that's not an option to be just indifferent to the city that we live in. I think we can totally apply what Jeremiah is saying here, what God is saying through Jeremiah here. But the first option is that sometimes people will become, churches will become indifferent to their city. In fact, I would actually tell you that there are a lot of churches out there that if people had to describe that church, they would say that that church is a taker and not a giver. They'd say that that church just takes from the city. They just, they just soak, you know, suck up resources, but they don't give back to the city. The second option is churches that are actually against the city. 
They actually literally get to the point where they're antagonistic. So they just complain about their city. They complain about the problems. They complain about the politics. They complain, complain, complain about the leaders. They com- complain about issues that are going on in the city. And so they just take this kind of antagonistic approach towards the city. And they're against it. And rather than, you know, doing something good to help the city, they just uh, spend their time moaning and groaning about all the city and its problems. And I don't know where you are, but I want you to know that Point Community Church doesn't want to be a church that's indifferent to the lostness of our city, meaning those who don't know God and never heard his, 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 his message, or maybe they have, but they've just kind of turned a deaf ear to it. We don't want to be a, a church that's just lobbying these bombs where I stand up on stage and say, man, our city stinks, doesn't it? It's so bad. Can you believe how bad our city is? I want to be a church that says we want to be invested in our city, invested in our city, engaging people who, who don't believe what we believe, loving them, serving them, caring for them, ministering to needs in our city. So much so that Point Community Church becomes an asset to our city rather than a liability. That the church that we are a part of, and, and by the way, when I say church, I don't mean just the gathering on Sunday. I don't mean the building that we're meeting in, right? That we as the people are the church. That's how the Bible defines church, God's people. That we are truly giving generous, loving, gracious people towards the city in which God has called us to live. That's the kind of people that we want to be. That's the kind of attitude we want to have towards our city. We are in exile, in a sense, as Christians, because we know this is not our home. We know First Peter tells us that we are like aliens and strangers, just passing through until one day we will get to be in heaven. But we are already citizens of the kingdom of God, and we begin to live out that citizenship even here and now that impacts the lives of those around us. So that we become the neighbor on the street that people go to when they have a need. They know that we, we, we care for them. So that they know, people at our workplace know, oh, you know what? Yeah, that's that Christian person. But you know what? If I ask them to pray for me, they will. Or our kids are in a school setting or a situation and they know that we're the kind of parents that aren't the ones up there complaining all the time and giving our teachers an earful, but we are supporting them, helping them, encouraging them, investing in them. Whatever that looks like, we want to be the ones who give and don't take. So much that if tomorrow Point Community Church shut its doors, they would say, man, we sure wish they were still here. We miss them. I've got a feeling that there are some churches that if they close their doors tomorrow, people will be applauding. (laughs) And that's a sad thought, isn't it? We don't want to be that church. We want to be the church that gives and invests, but not for our sake, not just so we can have a big church, not just so you can say, hey, let's, let's gather together and have a big, hey, look at our, how great our church is, but so that people will know Jesus, the life that is in Jesus. You know why our name is Point Community Church, right? Just in case we need to remember, the name of our church, Point Community Church, is because we are convinced that our goal is to point people to life in Christ. That every time you see Point Community Church, that people would think, that's what they are about, is pointing people to life in Christ with their words, with their actions, that in all things that we are pointing. And we're not going to be perfect at that. We're going to fail miserably. We're going to have hard days. I, I don't do that. I don't, I'm not perfect as a dad. I'm not perfect as a husband. I'm not perfect in my neighborhood as a neighbor. There's a lot of times I'm just like, I want to get uh, away from my neighbors. I want to drive home and I want to have my own space, right, in my bubble. But God has called us to live in and for our city invested in it. So let me give you some practical ways that we're engaging in this as we close out this morning. First, we are engaging by partnerships, through some partnerships. Um, 
Some of you are aware of some of these partnerships that I'm going to mention, but I want you to know that when you guys give and you invest in the money uh, by, by giving uh, monetarily as you, you give your resources to Point Community Church, uh, we don't hoard those resources and say, hey, look, let's see how big of a, a pile of money we can gather. Uh, we try to say, who God have you called us to give to? How can we serve? How can we bless others? And so we partner. We partner with Austin Disaster Relief Network, which I mentioned last week. It's just an organization that uh, helps sort of collect all the churches together to mobilize in natural disasters. So it's one of the things that we've uh, invested in uh, monetarily. And we've also sent people and done trainings. We're going to continue to do that. And I told you guys last week, what's really key is we don't just meet physical needs, but we point people to Christ. Because when the physical need is met, where are they still going? Where are they turning? What, what's going to happen when life's over, Right? You know, when they don't have a house anymore because, you know, it's all long gone. What, what's going to happen then? We want them to know Christ, but we want to meet practical physical needs. And that's what Austin Disaster Relief Network helps us to do, is to meet those, fat, those practical physical needs. And so in the floods, guess what? Cities are calling Austin Disaster Relief Network saying, can you help us? That's a good thing, right? When they're calling Christians, saying, hey, Christians, can you guys help us? And we, we get to be a part of that in a small way. I went this week and sat in on a, a lunch with um, some of the leaders there and saw the organization uh, a little bit from inside. And it was fun just to even see one of our members here there serving and just knowing that we get to invest in, in the city in that way. And we're thankful for them. And I ask you to continue to pray for them, especially in times of crisis like we're in right now with the flood victims and serving those in need and pointing them to Christ. The only other partnerships we have is South Austin Pregnancy Resource Center. That's a mouthful, South Austin Pregnancy Resource Center, S-A-P-R-C. And uh, they are an organization that's here loving and serving single moms and, and uh, moms, you know, that, that have become a mom outside of wedlock and don't know what they're going to do, and where they're going to turn, uh, moms that are struggling with whether to keep babies or not. And so we partner with them, and I said it in the, their fundraiser not long ago and heard just beautiful stories of what God's doing. And one of the coolest things that's going on you guys remember if you were here at Christmas, we actually had the stage piled up with diapers. And it was just fun just to take over a bunch of diapers to them and just bless them and know that those moms will be served practically through some diapers. I know this well because we've had six kids, and so diapers is a big deal. And, and so we got to do that. It was great. But I also, they're, they're going to be opening a medical clinic to be able to serve even in a greater capacity and to be able to see how God will use that center to connect with teens as they struggle with STDs and they don't know where to go. And so they can go there and they can get connected. And then a lot of those teens end up getting pregnant. And, uh, and when that happens, now they've got a relationship and they can come back to them in their need. And what's so cool is they don't just help the girl figure out what she's going to do with the baby, but they help them know Jesus. That he's bigger than all that. And he has a plan. He has a purpose for their life. And I love that. We also partner with an organization in the city called Apartment Life. And so Apartment Life is a, is a, is a neat organization that um, does some really cool things. And so I've actually asked Dave Hackbarth to come up and join me for just a second so he can tell you, because he'll do a much better job than I can, uh, sharing a little bit about that. So you guys welcome Dave to the stage for a fest. Thank you. So Dave, tell me really quick just kind of the vision and the, the overarching idea about what's, what's driving Apartment Life and the CARES teams. Yeah, so Apartment Life, I don't know if you've heard of us or not, and I'm wearing a shirt that says CARES. It's one and the same. And that uh, what we do is we have the privileged opportunity as a missional business, and if the word missional uh, is not something you're familiar with, it means that we're a business that is on mission, and that we have the opportunity to leverage a business value for the gospel, and specifically into apartment communities. 
Because as Nick was sharing, what you may not know with all these people that are coming here uh, day after day and crowding our roads, and we love them, is that, uh, and hopefully we're waving high like this, right, and no other way, <laughs> yeah. Uh, is, <laughs> yeah, humor, it's good. So uh, one of the things that's happening that you may not be aware of is uh, there's about 1.7 million people in the greater Austin area. Of the 1.7 million, you see, you didn't know you were going to come to church and have to do math, sorry. <laughs> is that there are 50% of those folks living in apartments. Wow. 850,000 people living in apartments in Austin. That's a lot. That's a lot of our neighbors. One out of every two are in an apartment. And 50% of them don't have any friends. Hmm. Zero friends. Now, here's the crazy part. 95% of them have zero meaningful connection to the local church. Hmm. So if you do some math on that... Within about a two- to three-mile radius of where we stand right now, there are about 10 apartment communities, mm-hmm. okay? So the, an, in the average of about 300 apartment community, or 300 units per apartment community, that, doing some quick math, means 3,000 units. Two people per unit, 6,000 people. Mm-hmm. So that means 5,700 people have no meaningful connection to the local church mm-hmm. within a two- to three-mile radius of right here. Yeah. So that's why we exist. We exist to bring a business value to the management company and do so with gospel intentionality so that when we're in close proximity with our neighbors, they will get to see Jesus lived out in our lives in such a tangible way. They'll go, okay, why are you making breakfast tacos for me this morning? (laughs) Great question. I'm here because of cares, but let me tell you why I do it. I do it because I love Jesus. And he said, love your neighbors. And this is the best way I know how. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. It's awesome. So if that's the, the, the mission and the vision of that, obviously there's such a huge need. And I look out here all the time, these apartments just continue to pop up. How do people actually get involved with what you do? And how, how can, what's the on-ramp for them? Yeah, so there's a few different ways you can get involved. Um, you know, unfortunately, we don't have a whole lot of immediate opportunities for you around here. So that's a good news. We have a lot of opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. And since we do have a partnership together with Point and Apartment Life, we want to see that continue to flourish. So uh, one way is to begin serving alongside other CARES teams to see what it is they do. Mm. So I could easily send you some information about, hey, you know what, I've got my business card back here. If you grab that or sign up, I can get you connected to, uh, to those folks and to begin serving with them. Uh, another way is if you just want to give continued information from us, I can easily get you onto a monthly newsletter that we produce. And it comes out of our national office. We're based out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, you can start getting information about what's happening. What are the stories that are developing? Mm-hmm. Um, and then thirdly, of course, which for me is the win-win, and probably uh, for Nick as well, is uh, if this sounds like something that's a next step for you, you're like, hey, you know what? I live in an apartment. I would love to begin serving. I love Jesus. And you know what? If you're not there yet, that's fine. Grab a friend and say, hey, you love Jesus. Why don't you go do this? Um, what we're looking for are folks who can actually serve in the apartment communities as a CARES team. Yeah. And so this way, then, you're actually on site. You are a neighbor, and you get to serve them through doing uh, social events, three social events per month, welcoming all the new residents, caring for them in times of need, and then visiting them before their renewal. And in doing so, bringing a business value to the community, which I can always discuss, but importantly, having ongoing opportunities to demonstrate the gospel with skin on, tangibly, in a way that they go, who is this Jesus that you serve because you're different than everybody else I know, mm-hmm. right? So becoming a cares team would be that third step, and I can always share information to you about doing that as well. 
I think that the opportunity for us is because I don't have any immediate opportunities here uh, within our area is to begin praying that God would open those doors because I'm the one who does that as well. So God's leveraged the 25 years of sales that I've had for this opportunity, for his, his mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, it, usually our vetting process takes about 30 days. Mm-hmm. So if it's something you're thinking about and you're like, wow, that might be good, but you know, it's three months down the road, I'd say start today with that end in mind. Begin there as saying, I think that's a next step for me. Because it's going to take at least a month for you to kind of go through our process and to discern for you whether or not this really is the right next step. Because it's got to be win-win. It's got to be a win for us, and it's got to be a win for you. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, we're really thankful for Apartment Life and what they do in our city. And I've been able to see this firsthand with both family members and friends who did Apartment Life. And uh, there's actually a couple that's connected to this church because we met them at an Apartment Life Cares Team event. Uh, they came from China, and, uh, and it's Shen and you. And, and, uh, and so now they are a part of serving here at Point Community Church and helping others know Christ. But we met them through one of these events, and so we're praising God for that. And so anyway, thank you guys for coming. Thank you for coming. And uh, thank you. if you want to talk to Dave, he's going to be in the back of the room as we finish today and wrap up, all right? So cool. thanks, Dave. Yeah, thank you. So you guys know just a couple of things as we, we kind of close out. Um, one, that we are continuing to partner with other ministries in our city. And... Some of you are aware that we're actually building some additional space here. We have what's been going on called the, the Make Room for More campaign. And uh, in that process of Make Room for More, uh, what that means is we're actually trying to build a new facility here that will house our next generation ministries on Sundays, but also be a resource to our community in terms of nonprofit space. And so we're excited about that. I want you guys to have a quick update and celebrate what God has done. Uh, just last year, with the, the group of people who've chosen to, to stay with us through this merger process, it's been a, a long journey. Uh, we had an $80,000 goal this year just to say, hey, we want to give $80,000 towards this ongoing project. And you guys exceeded that. You went to $84,000 over the last year in giving. Now, that's awesome because, one, I know that many of you, it's just been a sacrifice to give. And I just want to say thank you for giving. And I want you to know that there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes because we have a team of people that are investing in their, their time, energy, skills, and resources in that. And as they've been doing that, God has been opening some unique doors. And we've, just uh, to give you one little quick snippet, uh, what we thought we were going to be able to build at one point that had about 7,500 square feet of, of property for basically the same price. It looks like we're going to end up with 20,000 square feet of property. And that's a God story. It's a God thing. And we can't wait to show you some of the pictures and images of what God's doing in, in that. But just know that God is at work. And the hope is that it would become a resource to our community at large um, to minister to, to, op- to provide office space, to provide just training space for local ministries because we want to be, again, an asset to our community around us. One of the other things that we are doing is church planting. And this past weekend, as in last weekend, uh, I met with a church planter. He and his wife and two kids are going to be moving from Virginia to the greater Austin area to help plant a church. And we are super excited about having them on the ground. And I want you to know that because of your faithful giving, we're able to support them. We're partnering with several other churches. And church planting just means that we are establishing a new church to help reach the city. And they want to move it to the central part of Austin, one of the hardest soils of Austin. You think we had it rough going to South Austin. These guys are going to go to the heart of our city, which very few churches actually are able to plant and stick 
long-term. And they're going to go there and they're going to give their lives. And they got two young children and they're willing to sacrifice to be missionaries to the south, to, to the central part of Austin. And I'm praising God for that. We've been praying for that. I've been asking God forgive, to give us uh, the, the person that he wants, the couple that he wants to come and help plant a church in our city. But maybe the question you're asking is, well, how else can I be involved instead of, besides just coming on Sunday and giving? Well, here's how you can be involved. You can be involved because we gather together and we celebrate God, but we, when we scatter into our everyday lives, God has called us all to be witnesses. I want you to know, you, you guys, I'm not, I'm not the only person who's supposed to be tell, telling people about Jesus here at the church, nor are our elders, nor are our other pastors, but every single one of us who are Christ's followers are called to love and to serve others, to demonstrate with our actions and to declare with our lips the gospel message, the goodness of Jesus. We all get to participate. It's an, it's an all play, as Harley likes to say all the time, right? That's, it's an all play. We all get to participate. It's not just, hey, let's get them so Nick can tell them the gospel. It's no, God has called every one of us. And this week, practically what that looks like is for you to be able to go out to these kids' clubs that we're going to be running and, and participate in serving and in pointing people to life in Christ in very simple and yet profound ways. And so I invite you to participate with us this week. I invite you to be involved this week. But let's know that we want to be the church that truly points people to life in Christ. Let me pray for us.